If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum professionals, academics and researchers, as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Whether you've been working with new families for decades or are brand new to postpartum care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia Jones. Hello and welcome to Newborn Mothers Podcast. Today we have Rachel on again. Rachel is actually, this is her third time on Newborn Mothers Podcast. So I'm really happy to hear about the next chapter and get another update. And if you want to hear more about Rachel's um, backstory, you can go back and listen to episode 40 and episode 70. Uh, Rachel's background is in culinary arts and she now works as a postpartum doula and still does a lot of cooking um, and recipe book kind of stuff. But Rachel, you've also done a really broad variety of work. Um, You've taught online, you've done in-person workshops, you've um, done public speaking, facilitated support groups and gatherings. You're the author of a recipe book. I know you've worked with some really unusual clients um, as well, like adoptive parents. Uh, And now you're offering retreats as well, which I'm really keen to hear uh, a little bit more about too, because I know a lot of our students are interested in offering retreats. Since you were last on the podcast, you've also moved to Maine. So that's a little Mm -hmm. update. Uh, is there anything yeah, that was very thorough. Yeah, oh, good. I was going to say, do you want to add anything? But I managed to get it all. No, uh, no. Yeah, you're right. I have kind of not intentionally like dipped a toe in a lot of areas of, of postpartum care or maybe just like, maybe not even, not even just postpartum, maybe like feminine work. Um And it's been really fun because I think that there's, once you get into any kind of birth work, really, there's all these rabbit trails um, and all of these, you know, like little offshoots that you can get into. So I think I've kind of tried a lot of those and, um, and yeah, it's been really interesting. I, and my work with food too, before becoming a postpartum doula opens like all these other doors. So it's fun for me to find like creative avenues where both of those things marry. Yeah, I love that. You've kind of touched on a lot of the things that I wanted to ask you about today. And um, really one of them is like, how do you find your place in all of that? With our new course, we're we're calling the role uh, postpartum education and care professional because we're noticing the need for both care and education. And I know that you've done a bit of both um, Mm -hmm. as well. And also encouraging people to bring in their existing skills. And, you know, for you, that's cooking, but other people might have experience with massage or even surprising things like events management that they might not think are transferable skills, but actually um, they can still use them and it still creates a a unique um, kind of postpartum care. Um, yeah, 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 I'm sorry. Do you want to add to that? Well, I was going to say like, I'm a firm believer in kind of following what you're most passionate about. And so, and that's when you find the most success, I think. So for me, you know, launching these retreats, I'm working with mothers all the time, but then I'm seeing this greater need even outside of that, of women really needing to have have space, like have an extended period away from um, what's sort of causing trauma or or triggering trauma 
or creating burnout um, and all of these things and helping women to explore self-care in a more intentional way. Self-care is like a very, obviously a very overused word now in, in culture, but like, um, yeah, that was something that felt really exciting for me to think about doing and to cook. I really love cooking for big groups. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of just decided to go for it. And I think that's when I've found the most success is when I've found something that I was just really excited about. Yeah, I love it. And there's just so many different ways that you can support and work with new families. So yeah, I love that yeah. you've just been really experimental and open-minded and, and really just tried a lot of different things. As you become more experienced, what are you feeling is like the main thing? Or is that even is anything emerging as like what would be your 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 longer term vision or focus? Oh my word. Or just um, everything. <laughs> everything. This is this is like a very big part of my personality too that can be it, it can be good. It can also be to my detriment that I am I'm like an idea machine. And sometimes I feel that I need I need like a second, like an employee to like help carry out my ideas. Because I have a lot of creative energy that way and I'm constantly thinking things up. And then I'll get a little, I'll get a little ways into it and realize I have way too many irons in the fire and I'm starting to feel burnt out. And that's sort of been a pattern for me. But recently, I think I've sort of honed in on, um, well, I think getting it more in tune with what's working for me as an individual um, this year, that's been a big focus. And um, postpartum care is outwards focusing, right? It's like, you know, it's a, it's a servant role uh, in a lot of ways. And that can be really emotionally and mentally exhausting after a while, no matter how much you love it. And, um, I think this year I just started trying to focus in on what's going to work for me and my family and what feels the most organic and fulfilling to me personally and really playing more with food and figuring out how I mean when I'm in the kitchen I'm just the absolute happiest and and coming out of post covid if we can really use that kind of language um it felt really important for me to do things that were connecting face to face um with people like being in homes, being in kitchens again, um, doing dinners where I could, you know, like sit and, and communicate and talk and love on people in a very real way, just felt like something that I needed to do. And so, yeah, like projects just kind of sprang out of that. And I think that that's where, where I'm finding myself most focused now. And that's like, you know, with retreats and with getting like, back into doing in-person care when I was doing virtual support for so long. Um, and, and then I also just did, I totally forgot to mention this to you even before we started this interview, but I um, this year have been working on a project with a company in Japan that uh, approached me and said that they wanted to start a postpartum meal delivery service there. 
And um, so they ended up hiring me and bringing me on their staff to develop all of the recipes for that line. Um, And so that has been like this whole year, kind of like an ongoing project. And actually the business launches in Japan on Mother's Day. So we're like really close to wrapping it up. And that's been, again, like really heavy on a food focus and recipe development is something I've done um, in my past before. So that's been really, really fun to do as well. Oh, amazing. I'm finding quite a few of my students are getting these kinds of opportunities. As postpartum care, I think, becomes more mainstream, there is more bigger organizations, clinics, uh, and that sort of thing. And then they're asking some of my students to help them, like exactly like you're saying, develop the recipe or um, you know, just help them to understand more of the the detail of how do you actually deliver this kind of service. I think your background in culinary arts too, for people who don't know, it's a little bit different than being a chef, isn't it? Because it's more, includes more of the presentation, the plating, the service, the whole experience of food. But I think that's really suited to postpartum as well, because it is all the smell, the texture, the look, the experience of the food is such an important part of the care. So I can see why they've chosen you to um, to help with that. Yeah, it totally is. And I think it's so, like, it's so fun for me. One of my favorite things when I'm working, when I'm in home working for a client um, is like, they're, if they're in bed and bringing them this plate of food that I really don't hold back on. I don't treat it just because I'm in a mother's home and, you know, like she's in a state of undress or like the house is messy or it might be a raw or vulnerable situation. I'm not going to make the food any less gorgeous. And I'm not, I like, you know, I like really plate it and there's garnishes and I kind of like go all out and it's always so fun to bring that into her. And there's all the like, oh my goodness, like I just thought you were going to give me a bowl of oatmeal. Like I didn't think I was going to get all of this. And I love that moment of, I think it's a real way to honor the mother and also help her feel like a real person, you know, in that, in that place of not being sure who you are anymore, or if you matter um and it's all feeling like drudgery to really lift lift her up out of that um the food plays a really important role in that I think yeah I love it it reminds me of a concept in kind of business and marketing where you try and delight and surprise your clients so you wouldn't necessarily include Mm -hmm. in your package that your food will be served with a garnish and a drink and a vase (laughs) of flowers you know (laughs) right It's more like an unexpected delight and a surprise that makes that service just like rave worthy. Like they're just going to tell their friends, I just had the most beautiful, caring experience. She really looked after me. I felt so loved and nourished on a much deeper level than if you'd have just been. And there's nothing wrong with having a bowl of oatmeal, but yeah, adding those details really shows their care, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And there's so much about a postpartum home visit that is, isn't easy to communicate that feeling of what it feels like to be cared for that way when you're in um, a state of just complete self-sacrifice. And, and 
I feel like the magic of it too is that of course clients know somewhat what they're getting when they book with me, but the magic is all of those extra little things that you can't communicate, you know, fresh flowers that I had from my garden that I bring along with me, or maybe I get there during lunch. And so I make them a surprise lunch and dinner or, you know, what, whatever it is that makes it feel like, oh, wow, this feels above and beyond. That's just, it's just so much fun. Yeah. And it makes so much sense then that you've moved into retreats because that's really what retreats are about, having that immersive experience and taking people really out of that daily drudgery. Um, Yeah. So tell me more, like what, there's lots of different kinds of retreats. So what are these retreats? Who are they for? And, and, like why do, why do people go on something like that? Yeah, so um, our our business is called the Pause, um, and I, it's actually my business partner is also a graduate of newborn mothers. I don't think I ever mentioned that before. Um, we met because of the graduate program. Um, that we were both in at the time. And she is now one of my dearest and closest friends. So thank you for that, Julia. (laughs) Actually, two of my, two of my best friends I met through newborn mothers. It's funny because Um, I tell people that I tell people that our graduate group is the best place on the internet. (laughs) I kind of say that as a bit of a joke, but genuinely I'm, I, I, so rarely in fact I can hardly even ever think of a time that anyone's been offensive that I've had to block someone or delete comments or Mm. you know it's such a beautiful space with such caring people and I learn so much um, from all of you too yeah it is it's really it's incredible I mean maybe you should just start marketing like oh you'll meet your next best friend (laughs) or maybe that's a good push for you but yeah, I, we met there and, um, years down the road, we had been talking about, you know, our skill sets. She does a lot of, um, breath work and meditation, um, and coaching. And we kind of found that we both had this secret dream of starting a retreat, um, or doing retreats for mothers specifically. And it felt important to us because there's so many rich, I mean, you can do a Google search of retreats and there's beautiful, beautiful retreats all over the world that come up and they're mostly for, um, you know, yoga or for those who are running a business or, you know, like things like that. You don't really see retreats run for mothers because I guess there's, this idea around it that like, well, then they'd have to find childcare and mothers aren't really in the season where they can step away from that. Or somehow that mothers are under-resourced that they wouldn't be able to invest in something like that. There's, I feel that there's like a lot of interesting (laughs) ideas around it. And we felt that mothers were probably one of the only groups of people on the planet that truly deserved retreats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to be really honest, and this like workforce in communities that's pretty much keeping everything going. So why in the world do we not have this? Um, So yeah, that 
that was the mentality behind launching it. And then kind of as we were building it out, um, we decided to gear it towards. So like the tagline of it is the pause retreats, um, upscale, but grounded retreats for creative mothers. Um, and so we Ooh, really focus <laughs> on, yeah, we, we really focus on helping mothers come back down into their bodies. Um, after becoming a mother, um, no matter what stage of motherhood you're in. And so we do that through things like, like meditation and breath work. And then we joint jointly, my business partner, partner, Ava, and I both do, um, soft coaching. So we have like a morning circle and an evening circle. And so we do, it's, it's very, we say soft coaching because it is a very gentle and feminine approach to that. Um, Whereas like, we're not giving advice necessarily. It's not self-help. It's trying to help uh, women come back into touch with their intuition and with their bodies after like the disassociation of childbirth. Um, And so, yeah, there's like, we'll do like self-massage workshops or forest bathing or things like that. And it's sort of woven through with like times of really deep rest. Um, so there's lots of like downtime and time to sleep in, which obviously is like what every mother wants. Mm. Um, and then of course, just like the food, just really beautiful food. I cook for the entire event. Um, and it's usually three to five days. Um, and we do lots of baths and herbal care. And it's just like all the beautiful things that you could possibly want. Um, and we just really <laughs> return to that idea of coming home to yourself and also mothering the mother. Are you listening to this awesome interview with a postpartum professional and thinking that this might be your calling in life too? Do you believe that postpartum care could be a respected, valued and well-paid profession, but feel frustrated and don't know where to start? Newborn Mothers Postpartum Education and Care Professional Training is online, self-paced and available worldwide. We value human rights, scientific evidence and diversity, and we'd love you to join us at newbornmothers.com. Back to the show. Um, In fact, one of the first things that we tell participants when they all arrive is that, you know, we recognize that you've been feeding and bathing and caring and listening to your children or all the other people in your life. And so we are going to feed and bathe and take care of you. Um, and it's just, it's like the most magical thing. Every, every time we do it, I just feel like on a high afterwards, it's one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. I love that. I, I want to take you back a little bit too, to the idea that like mothers don't go on retreats. I think we have a real um, you know, it's a kind of a block or barrier in our capitalism and productivity kind of mindset that we should only invest in things that will be somehow like have a tangible outcome or make some money. Mm. And I know that I'm guilty of that too. I use my business as an excuse to to re- go on retreats a lot. <laughs> So the retreats I go on, like I went on one not that long ago, just late last year, that was sold as a business retreat for creatives. And 
Um, most of the businesses there were like musicians or photographers or artists and that sort of thing. And then there was me who might not typically seem like a creative business, but I consider my work very creative. I write and I, you know, do, do lots of creative work. But what really surprised me, and I hope my accountant isn't listening, is kind of like by the end of the five (laughs) days, I was like, I'm not really sure that this should be a tax write-off. Like, I'm not really (laughs) sure that I can count this as a business expense. Like, let's be honest of what's really happening here. We're using our businesses as an expense to be able to eat nice food, sleep in, go to the forest, go to the beach, Mm -hmm. hang out with some awesome people. And it was wonderful it was such a lovely experience but like really were there really tangible benefits for my business I don't think so (laughs) but why can we not just say I need to rest I'm going to go on a retreat just because I'm a human not a robot and everyone needs to be nourished so anyway I just think it's a real cultural shift to have things like childcare when you're not working for money um, you know, mm. it's seen as really indulgent or selfish or greedy. But I don't, yeah. it's funny because men would go play golf all weekend and that wouldn't be considered a big deal. Absolutely. Know. So why not? Yeah. I mean, moms? I think the whole like process of anyone even purchasing a ticket to come on one of the retreats feels like such an act, such a countercultural act. And we really do try to address that when they first arrive, that we realize that maybe this required bravery or maybe this required you to think differently about your gender role or something like that, that you're here. Um, Because it certainly required that of us as the creators of the pause. I mean, we kept meeting so many of our own blocks in so to speak like (laughs) when we first created it it just felt like we had so much hesitancy to like make this website live and actually try and sell these tickets because we had to ask ourselves like you know why do we think that no one's gonna invest in this you know and we had yeah we had all of our own fears that people were gonna look at us weird and say like why are you like encouraging mothers to leave their children. And to be honest, we had emails or Instagram messages that said as much um, of like, I, you know, I reject the fact that being a mother means that I like, you know, that I need a break from my children. And I think it was people who were well-meaning. But I also think that we can become really entrenched in the, in that like martyr mother mentality and um we just forget that if we aren't well then nothing else in our sphere is well right like not in our Mm. home not in our community and um yeah and but the thing is is that we do book them and it's pretty incredible to see like again we're not we're not like welcoming anyone into that space to be to come and be fixed we're just simply giving space and mothers are traditionally not people who are given much space to feel or to Mm. think or um to be and so that's a really powerful thing when you're when you're someone who's really open and receptive to that to receive that gift 
of space can make such a huge difference. I love it. It's so beautiful. It, it, this retreat that I just went on recently, one of the most lovely touches was actually as we were all leaving uh, in the morning, it was a long drive home. Some people were flying home. I think for me it was mm-hmm. like a six hours drive. So it was a long way. And they all sent us yeah. off with little lunch boxes, snacks and drinks to take in the car. Oh, sweet. I love that. <laughs> it was so gorgeous. And those are the kinds of things that we do for our children all the time, all the time. Yes. We're constantly thinking about what's my husband going to eat? What are my kids going to eat? You know, do they have a water bottle? All of these kind of things. Yeah. And for someone to just do that for me was just like such a amazing experience. Anyway, I just think this is so magical and transformative. And my next question is, so was it really hard to sell the tickets? <laughs> um, I don't know. Yes and no. It would kind of come and go in spurts where we would like sell quite a few and then it would be nothing for months. And then we'd start to sweat again and be like, oh no, <laughs> we're not going to sell any of them. And then we'd sell a lot again. And um, I don't know, it's just kind of something that, I mean, we definitely ha- have had to do a lot of um, marketing and a lot of showing up and talking about the concept and why we feel it's needed. Um, and then we've had to trust that it was going to land in the right place and that the right women would be there. Um, and it was really interesting because there were definitely uh, people who had contacted us and said, Hey, I want to come, like, we're all set to come. And then um, like, Oh, oh no, my child needs like an emergency Mm. surgery and I can't come, or I just lost my childcare and I can't come. Or we even had one situation where there was like a shared room and one of the roommates couldn't make it. So there was this one woman who was just kind of like going to have this room by herself. um, And we were like, oh, well, that's, I mean, maybe it was meant to be. And three days before the retreat, was going to happen. I got an Instagram message from someone who was like, I, this is absolutely crazy. I'm, I'm sure there's no more tickets left, but I'm wondering if there's anyone that has a room that they might want to share because that's what I can afford. And like, I have some really deep like work that I need to do. And I just feel like it's been keeping me up at night. I feel like I'm supposed to be on the retreat. And it was like, so I was like, yes, we do. We have that exact situation. To be on this and it's, <laughs> has, yeah. And the groups of women that are there, it feels so right. Like it just, everyone who's there is supposed to be there. And yeah. I think we had to just kind of trust that process. Yeah. Like so many things with starting any kind of business, a lot of it is just a leap of faith, isn't it? You just don't know what's going to happen. You just have to trust the process and and take a chance. I love how intentionally light it is too. You obviously have some amazing food and you've got a bit of things like breath work and meditation. Um, But I'm just looking at the um, itinerary on the on the website. It's there's a lot of space there. So yeah, if people want to come and do their own inner work, their own writing, you know, their own kind of exercise or meditation or whatever it is. There's time to do that. Yeah, well, and it was intentional on our part too to leave quite a bit of space because um, 
we just felt like as a culture, we are very uncomfortable with space or silence. Mm -hmm. Um, We just don't quite know what to do with that. And so that can be kind of uncomfortable when we say like, Hey, you have three hours. Um, And sometimes women will be like, so what do you suggest I do? And we'll be like, well, are you tired? Do you want to go sleep or, (laughs) Oh my God, I am tired. (laughs) Or yeah, I know. Right. And it's like, we don't, it's just that mothers don't receive those kinds of invitations. And so that was really important to us to not Mm -hmm. have it feel like let's, let's like leave our busyness for another form of busyness. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, it is, it is, it's pretty slow, but it feels, it feels really nice because then everyone has had a chance to like go take a swim by themselves. It's just, it's things that feel totally unheard of as a, as a mother, what you're telling me, I'm going to go down and just like go down to the beach and just swim by myself. Like I've never Mm. done that in my life. And it, yeah, it feels, I think that alone feels really revolutionary. Um, because often women will come back from those, like I took a walk by myself or I took a swim or I sat in the bath for a while and they'll come back and be like, Oh my word. Like I, I heard myself or I realized something where I like, it's nothing that we're doing. We're just sort of cultivating this really beautiful space for those moments to happen within each woman. Yeah. I love it. Um, have you got anything to share in terms of like lessons if other people are thinking about doing similar work? Yeah. What would you, what would you tell them? Um, well, I would, I would encourage them that the, there's definitely a need for it, even if it doesn't feel obvious. Um, I guess when we started, it felt, you know, like I said, we had some like worries that no one was actually going to want to come. Um, but there was, there's been a real response to it. And, um, I think, I think just generally like not letting your own inhibitions or your own beliefs about what people might want to spend their money on or what people might want to step away from, but just the believing in the power of creating an invitation um and also just like following your skill sets cuz i mean a retreat could go there's there's so many fun things you could do with that and we're kind of offering what we know we're really good at but you could tweak that in any way um and yeah i think i think it's really needed and i think that there should be more of it um whether it's like for five days or whether it's for one night, I think that would still be super valuable and there, there would still be an audience for that too. Mm, yeah. I love that. Cause food obviously is your thing, but actually on the retreat I went to, the food was amazing, but they didn't, the, the person hosting the retreat didn't cook, um, you know, so you can just get mm. caterers and things, you know, if that's not what you love doing. Right. Um, right. And then I saw one of my other students in, uh, I can't remember, I think she's in Victoria, but she's doing retreats with saunas. And I was like, I'm in if that was so far away. So good. (laughs) I know that's one of our dreams is to have like access to a sauna for one of these. And actually 
I, before I had started the pause, I did a little retreat solo that was just for like two nights. Um, and a friend helped me out with it. And we did have sauna there and we did like skinny dipping and sauna and kind of like went back between those two things all evening. And it was just, it was completely magical. It's still Mm -hmm. one of my favorite nights I've ever had. Mm, yeah so there is like no limit to the different kinds of things that you can do yeah just choose what you're good at yeah. and yeah enjoy it yeah absolutely oh so it's, thank you so much Rachel this has been so amazing so people can find you at uh it's let me just get this right the pause the dash pause.com um mm-hmm. as well as nourish her and you're on instagram your your instagram is beautiful that's where you're you you shine as an artist i can see you know your love oh, of attention to you. detail and beauty <laughs> um <laughs> is there anything else you want to share about your work before we wrap up well i think if our i would just throw it out there that our retreats aren't really we've had people come from all over so um we welcome anyone from anywhere and they we do each retreat we do at a different destination so the next one we're doing will be in September here in Maine which felt really fitting because I just moved here with my family and um it's just a magical place um so we have this really beautiful like modern architectural home on the coast and its own beach and like mossy forest and it's just going to be so much fun to um design that space for these guests um so if you want to come on one there's one in september and then the goal is to do them twice twice a year that's what we've been doing so far um and so there will be more to come so if you're interested in keeping up on when and where uh the pause is happening you can do that on our website and sign up for our newsletter um and yeah, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to talk about it because obviously I feel very strongly about it and I love what I do. Mm, thank you so much, Rachel. I think um, the last thing I want to just mention too is that parts of, a strong part of any rite of passage is the idea that you you leave and return and a retreat is just such an intentional way to do that, isn't it, to facilitate mm. a, a change in a role, to acknowledge a change and um yeah to embrace like who you are and in your next stage and things so yeah I just think it's so so perfect for motherhood yeah it really is and sometimes just that change in location can make all the difference as well and I know every retreat that we've done now I've personally walked away with something that felt really like a significant discovery within myself um like I just this past one that we did um Oh gosh, when, what was it? It was in the fall. Um, and it was in Ohio, which is a very random spot to even have this, but, um, we, from the final dinner, I always do like this big sit down plated dinner and it's just really gorgeous. And we do this really beautiful like tablescape and it's so fun. Um, I made this cake that <laughs> just felt like it came out of my imagination. I'd never made it before. And I just, felt in my heart, like we were in the forest and I wanted to make a cake that tasted and looked and felt just like moss. Like I called it the ode to moss. And it was, it was exactly what I had wanted it to be. And then when I served it, it was just like one of the women came up afterwards and she was like, this cake 
just feels like a hug. Like I just feel so loved by it. And I have never tasted anything like it. Like I had infused it with pine. Um, and after making that cake, I like had to <laughs> go back in to where we were into my private room. And I just like started crying, but it was like a, it was like tears of relief of just this feeling of like, that I was doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing. And that when I started working with food, when I was 19 years old, like I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. And I didn't know what was going to feel right, but I knew that I wanted it to make some sort of personal impact. And I, it just felt like a really full circle moment for me that I could think of a cake in my mind and make this cake and, and make it with so much love and intention and kindness. And that it felt like that to eat it, it, and it was with mothers, like the whole thing just felt like so full circle and so serendipitous for me. And, um, yeah, I think to have those kinds of experiences, sometimes we have to step away from everything that we know and put ourselves in, a position where we're working with something that we've never done before. So um, yeah, it's been really valuable to me as well. And I'm not, I'm not participating, I'm hosting it, but it's just still been really, really incredible for me. Oh, I love it. You know, that Ode to Moss cake, it reminds me of something you'd have in like a Michelin restaurant or on MasterChef or something, but how much <laughs> more meaningful to make it for mothers. I just think that it's, it's again, it's a real subversion, isn't it? It is. And then you have to ask yourself the question of like, why does this feel so radical to make something that we would consider upscale or expensive for a mother? And what does that say about what we, what, what status in society we believe mothers to have? Um, yeah. I mean, it just, I think it's just a really eye opening thing to kind of look at like, well, why does that feel like does it feel like I'm doing something expensive for someone who's lowly? Is that what this is? And I, yeah, I just think it's been, it's opened up some good conversations because I think there's been definitely women around the table who have felt like undeserving of that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's powerful. Uh, which alone is worth the investment, isn't it? To be able to explore that, those kinds of cultural conditionings. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. This is such meaningful work uh, and so important. And uh, thank you for sharing so generously as well what you've learned. We'll share your um, websites and, and so on in the uh, show notes. And I'm sure we'll have you back on the podcast again sometime. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, st stay tuned for my next installment. It's always <laughs> really lovely chatting with you. So thanks for having me on again. Thank you. Bye. Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high quality postpartum care. If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.